0: It's Wednesday night, and we're continuing through Deuteronomy, and it is September 13th, 2023, and we are at chapter 30. Now we're still talking about this sixth covenant. So this one's called the Palestinian Covenant. Moses is talking about it. This this is what sets the rules and gets them prepared to go into the promised land, okay? As we get to the end of Deuteronomy, that is what is going to happen is everybody's going to get prepared to go in. So, let's read out of chapter 30. And it shall come to pass, when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee, And thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations, whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Now if you think about the nation of Israel... Think about all of the horrible things that have happened to them throughout history. You know, you know the Holocaust. You have people, them being rejected when they went to countries trying to flee persecution. Uh, our own country, you know, certain harbors that they showed up in, they were turned away. There's all kinds of examples that we see in the Bible where they were taken into captivity. And, but look at what has come out of Israel. Look at the blessings that have come out of Israel. The Word of God, Jesus Christ, came out of the Hebrew nation. So you can see how bad things have been for them but how good things have been for them, and they are God's chosen people. And notice how you see the word heart in verse 2, and soul. We're to love the Lord God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you, you, see, you see this, uh, the word heart is a, a significant word that you're going to see in this chapter. Verse 3, that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. Now, this is something that has happened to the nation of Israel. They were scattered all over the world and they still are scattered all over the world. Now there has been a nation set back up and, and that happened in, in the mid-1900s and that was a miracle for, for it to come back. Their land was basically given back to them by Britain. Then immediately people came up against them and were defeated and it, it makes no sense how all those other nations were defeated. When Israel, the only way you can explain it is God was with them. And it's happened multiple times. So we're still looking for the future event where all the people will be brought back to their nation. Something's going to happen in the future that will cause all of the Jewish people to come back. And it may have something to do with the church being raptured out of here. And then they are severely persecuted wherever they are, and maybe they flee back to their homeland. Uh, there, you know, as we as we get further and further into into time, there's more and more people that start to doubt all those things happening in the future. There are people who say it's all done. Everything's already been accomplished. You know, all the, all the um, prophecies have been fulfilled. And, and you say, well, this one hasn't been. Or, oh, yeah, it has. And, and they'll tell you why it has been. But as time gets, goes on, people start falling off. You get, you get less and less people who will still believe in what the Bible says. And just like in the days of Noah. Yeah, know, people, people are just living their life and they're not listening to God anymore. They have just kind of shut him out, and we see it today. So when the Bible talks about a remnant, yeah, it's sad, but I mean, think about how many people got on that ark in Noah's time. The, people everywhere, but there was only eight people that got on the boat. And there was all kinds of time that they were given. God was long-suffering. He was waiting and waiting before the judgment came. Gave them all kinds of opportunity, and people rejected it. So we see the same thing happening again. People will not learn from history, and it will happen again. All right, so... Uh, I'm going to read a little bit out of, uh, I haven't done this in a while, but Warren Wiersbe's book, uh, he's got a short little section on this chapter. So he, here's, some, here's some things that he said. First, he was talking about uh, the heart. Um, he says heart is one of the key words in this chapter. And then there's words like command or commandment, turn and return, you'll notice that throughout several times, and life. You will see the word life. The connection is obvious. If God's people turn from their sins and return with all their hearts to God and God's commandments and obey them, they will enjoy life as only the Lord can give. Moses is here looking forward to the time when a Chastened Israel will repent, turn from their wicked ways, and come back to the Lord. To some extent, a regathering occurred after the Babylonian captivity when a believing remnant returned to the land and rebuilt the temple. But the fulfillment of this promise, um, which you, we see, and it, it'll be verses three, and then when we read through six. Uh, will not take place until the end times. The people of Israel today are scattered throughout the world, while in the nation of Israel there are about six million people. But the Lord promises to regather his people, bring them back to their land, and bless them. But first, a spiritual operation must take place. All right, I'm going to stop right there and then pick back up there here in a little bit. All right, so let's read these next few verses. 4. If any of thine be driven out unto the outmost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and, shalt, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good and multiply thee above thy fathers. Now listen to this verse. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. Now, a long time ago, we went through Colossians. I don't know if you remember that. I I remember talking about how it was very special to me, uh, the book of Colossians, and when we got to a certain part of Colossians, I turned to this right here. And that's been a while, so I expect everybody to remember it like it was yesterday. So I'm going to turn to Colossians because you don't remember. Now this will probably sound familiar to you. So in Colossians chapter 2, it says... And ye are complete in him. This is talking about us having a born-again experience and then Jesus being the head of the church, how we are the body of Christ. And it says, and ye are complete in him, talking about Jesus, which is the head of all principality and power. "...in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross." So, way back here in Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verse 6, talking about how, and the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart. He's talking about the nation of Israel here, but that's what happens to us as well. There is something standing in the way between you and a spiritual walk with your Heavenly Father, and it's called the flesh. Your flesh cannot... It cannot walk alongside of, it can't, you can't have both together. They just don't, um, the words, just I can't get the word, but they just cannot coexist together when you're trying to please God. The flesh has got to be taken away and cast away. It's got to be gone. Now, we as humans, we come up with all kinds of great ideas on how to make the flesh better. But at the end of the day, it's still dirty, rotten flesh that cannot walk with the Spirit. They, they are, is it enmity against each other? They're, they're, they just are fighting against each other. So when someone tells you, that you have a bad nature and a good nature, and whichever one you feed will be the one that that dominates and will overcome. That's a dangerous thing. Sounds good to the human mind, but it's not a good thing to do. So you're you're trying to deny your flesh when the Bible tells us that the old man is crucified, it's done away with. That's something you got to believe. Notice that everything we just read right here in Colossians, which pertains to this circumcision of the heart, see, circum- any, every, as you're reading through the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, you have the Jews, and they were the ones who were circumcised. They were of the circumcision, and then the Gentiles were not. And that was a big deal, a huge deal. It went along with that uh, covenant with Abraham, that covenant of promise. Abraham had gotten to a point where he himself could not think up, well, Sarah thought up, uh, take Hagar and we'll have a baby through her, and then that will be the promise that God has given us. And so God waited until Abraham couldn't even do that process if they wanted to do it again. I think they learned their lesson, they weren't going to do it again but even if they wanted to do it, he couldn't do that. And then something happened to him, and it was circumcision. It was the violent, bloody cutting away of flesh so that he could produce that promised child, that seed, which was Isaac. And not only that, it was such an amazing operation of God that not only did they bring Isaac into this world, But after Sarah died, he remarried, what was her name, Keturah, and they had babies. So that is a type and picture of how productive we could be when we allow this operation of God to happen, and this flesh is violently taken away and cast away and there's nothing but spiritual being left. And that's the only way you're going to walk with God. So, like I said, look at the things that we read in Colossians. None of these things that I just read are actual, physical things that you can show somebody that you did. Let's read it again. And ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power, you can't see that. If you can say, "Well, no," Jesus died on a cross. You know, he he was he wasn't powerful enough, and and uh, he's not here anymore. But we we know that we're complete in him, and he's the head of all principality and power. But but Satan's ruling, yeah. But Jesus is way more powerful, and he's going to take it all back over one day. And they're like, oh, yeah, you've been saying that for how long? And we believe it with a childlike faith. And then all these people who are way smarter, they're going, well, how many years has it been now? You say he's coming back. You say he's going to. But what I see is just hurt and, and just terribleness all over the world. And that's what I'm, I, this is what I see and this is what I believe. Well, we see it too, but we know Jesus is coming back. We know that we are complete in Him. We don't have the proof of it yet, but we believe it anyway. Just like Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He looked for it his whole life on this earth and never found it and died believing that he would find it. That's how we got to be. That's faith. All right? Let's, let's re- look at some more of, of things that we just cannot show anybody. 11. This is Colossians two eleven. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. If that has happened to you, you cannot prove it to anybody by showing them a video of this gruesome operation happening you can't your flesh looks like it's still right there with you and you're walking around in it all the time this does not make sense to anybody who's a non-believer but is it true for you buried with him in baptism when did that happen Do you have video, get your phone out and show me the video of this happening. You can't do it. This is a spiritual baptism. This is where John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize with water, but the one coming after me, whose shoe latches I'm not worthy to unloose, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And that's what happened right here. You were buried with him in baptism, which you took on the likeness of his death. When Jesus died on the cross, you died on the cross. No witnesses. You can't prove it to anybody. But that's what the Bible says. Are you going to believe it or not? Wherein also ye are risen with him. Well, Jesus came out of the grave. That means you came out of the grave with him. Can't prove it. Through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened or made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now, notice the blotting out of 14. Blotting, that's what blood would do, right? You would would, uh, sprinkle the blood, and it would blot out that. All the law that was against us. See, the law... We, uh, Moses has been uh, talking to his people about the law, and the law, they have failed miserably, and we have too. And the law shows us that we need this Savior right here that we're reading about. We need this operation. So, I just that's why Deuteronomy is so important that, that you know it, that you read it, and you understand that this is the very end of the book of Moses. And all of this here is, is it's, we've had so many examples and hidden types and pictures of Christ throughout all of it, and now he's, he's getting you prepared to go into that promised land. Moses can't take you in because he represents the law. He's the one that brought the Ten Commandments down off the mountain. You can't get saved by that. It gets you right up to the Jordan River, but it can't take you over. Joshua, which means the same thing that Jesus means. That name Joshua, that's the Hebrew way of saying Jesus, basically. And Joshua is being prepared to come on the scene, and he is going to take the people over. Jesus shows up on this earth, and he's the one that takes us into the kingdom of God. So, if all you had was Old Testament and you read this verse 6 of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, it's like, what does that mean? I mean, that's weird. I don't understand it. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart? What? And the heart of thy seed? To love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy So you're not going to be able to uh, have any kind of production, you know, a good Christian life. They're not going to be able to have life if they don't understand that it's more than just keeping the law. You have to have a personal relationship. Notice that thou mayest live. And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and on them that hate thee, which persecuted thee. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments which I command thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, in the fruit of thy body and in the fruit of thy cattle and in the fruit of thy land for good, for the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in, the, in, in this book of the law, and if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Notice how many times we've heard that heart and soul, with all your heart and with all your soul. All right, I'll finish reading what I was reading out of uh, this book here, The B Books by Warren Wiersbe. So the Deuteronomy one is called Be Equipped. All right, but first a spiritual operation must take place circumcision of their hearts so that they will receive their Messiah, love their Lord, and experience the spiritual life that he promised. Now, here's something interesting. I was trying to describe it earlier. Bible scholars disagree about the future of Israel. Some say that the church is now spiritual Israel and that all of these Old Testament promises are now being fulfilled in a spiritual sense in the church. Others say that the Old Testament promises must be taken at face value and that we should expect a fulfillment of them when Jesus Christ returns to establish his kingdom on earth. All right, now I've talked a lot about, you know, I I don't, I've never liked all the technology and all these YouTube and all the th- I mean there's so many things out there I mean there's a pile of stuff out there and, I, and most of it's extremely dangerous uh, so when I started looking at YouTube stuff there's some really good stuff on it but most of it's bad so you'll find all kinds of different so-called preachers and Bible teachers and you'll see this. You'll see this very thing. And you'll listen to one person, and he'll be all about how the church is uh, spiritual Israel, and God's totally done with, with the nation of Israel, and, and they're, they're out back and, and all this. They'll, and they'll explain how there's not. They, they, they end up being a millennialist you, you know what a millenniist is? If you if you if you believe in an actual thousand-year reign of Christ when he comes back, then you're you're a you're a millennialist. You believe that. If if you put a on the front of a word that means you don't believe it, you're a non-millennialist. Okay? So the so there's a lot of people who are really really smart. They got all these little letters at the end of their name where they've gone to this university and that university and they've got their um, doctorate of doctrine degree, and they, they, more and more of them, it seems like the more education they get in theology and divinity, the more they fall away. They start trusting more in what man has come up with, and they've started just not trusting in the Bible. One thing I've noticed about almost all of those people who are that way, they don't use the King James Bible anymore. Almost every single one of them, if not every one of them, have to move along. They're they're into text, textual uh, criticism, which means now that we've now that we've got more manuscripts and we've gotten smarter and we know Greek better and they don't know Greek any better than the people who translated the King James Bible. If you could go back, get in your time machine, and go back to to the 1600s. I mean, we've got some amazing things today, but as far as literature and languages, we're pitiful compared to the people back then. I mean, they would be blown away by some of the stuff that we've come up with, but they wouldn't understand how we, we, don't, we can't even master our own language. And they would master ten different languages. I mean, their brains were amazing. When it came to stuff like that so if you go back and do any kind of uh looking into the 47 translators that translated the king james bible you would be blown away by what they knew what the languages that they learned but that's what i've noticed they have no confidence in the king james bible they pushed it aside and they've had they've come out they've they all use whatever the latest one is that is you know, the, the new greatest. That's something that I have noticed. Moses seems to be speaking here to and about Israel and not some other people of God. So this is what Warren Wiersbeef, he thinks, well, it, I, know, I know there's people on both sides of this, but when you look at the Bible, it seems like he's talking about that nation of Israel so I'm gonna keep reading. Uh, in the future, such as the church, okay, I gotta reread that. Moses seems to be speaking here to and about Israel, and not some other people of God, so-called people of God. In the future, such as the church, the church has no covenant relationship to the land of Israel, for God gave that land to Abraham and his descendants. And the blessings and curses were declared to Israel, not the church. It would appear that there will be a literal fulfillment of these promises to Israel when they repent, turn back to Jehovah, and open their hearts to the operation of His Spirit. Now, if you want to write down Ezekiel, just if you're taking notes, write down Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. Isaiah 11, verse 2, Joel 2, 28 and 29, that we'll talk about that in more detail. God will save them from their sins and establish them in Messiah's glory, glorious kingdom. And that you can see that in uh, Zechariah uh, 12, 10 through 13, 1 and chapter 14, 8 and 9. All right. Uh, Verse 11. Back in Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verse 11. For this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven. Now this should sound very familiar to you. I mean, I don't know if you've read this in prep for coming here. I don't know if you've already read. I'm not sure how y'all do it as far as, you know, you're, you're coming to Wednesday night, you know, have you already read this chapter? Or you just wait until you hear about it and then maybe read it later, or you just, well, I'm just going to read it when we're there, we're going to hear every word. I don't, I don't know what y'all do. So I don't know if this, if this sounds familiar to you because you've already read this, or if you've read it in another part of the Bible. Just like we read over here, that, uh, that circumcision of the heart, you know, what, as soon as I read that, Boom, I'm thinking, Colossians, because it was very familiar to me. Well, when you get here, this should sound familiar too. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us, and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. All right, so where is that at in the New Testament? Romans 10? Very good. So if you was to read Romans 10, you're going to see the very same thing. So, like we said last week or the week before, look at how many times in the New Testament that Old Testament stuff is talked about. And then, really pay attention to how many times Deuteronomy is spoken about. The Word of God has been preserved, and it's all over the place. You have all kinds of opportunity to read the word unfortunately most people don't take advantage of that they just if if somebody came along and said we're taking all the bibles away from you then you would hang on to it clutch it and want to read it right why why are we that way we, we have, we, no one's going to come and do anything bad to us like in some other countries of this world if you're caught with a Bible. Maybe it's going to be bad. You'd have to hide your Bible. Those people read their Bibles. We have them sitting around everywhere and they just sit there and collect dust. <clears throat> All of what we've been reading is obeying what this Bible says Or not if you obey it blessings if you don't obey it cursings we we've seen it over and over and over again throughout the book of Deuteronomy so 15 again see I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil that's what's been set out what will you choose it, you have to make a decision. Which, which, what do you have? In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, and his statutes, and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. That'd be be a really good verse for the uh, Pregnancy Resource Center. Choose life that thou and thy seed may live. That seed right there is your little children, your child. Choose life. Verse 20. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life, and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them, so we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I'm going to read the next little section he has in this B uh, B Equip book. That's uh, for those last verses. Because we're created in the image of God, we have minds to think with. See, he give he gave you a choice, right? He's he's laid it out for you. Blessing over here, life over here and then your your cursing and death over here we have minds to think with hearts to feel with and wills to decide with and God calls us to make right decisions we're not robots we can hear God's word learn God's will and decide either to obey or disobey Moses made it clear that making this decision isn't a difficult task. After all, we have the revealed truth of God in His Word. And that Word, now this is capital W Word, is available to us. We don't have to go up to heaven to get the Word, or even cross the sea to another country, because God has brought His Word to us. Paul quoted this passage in... Romans chapter 10,6 through 10. To prove that righteousness isn't obtained by doing great feats, but by exercising simple faith in Jesus Christ the Lord. Furthermore, the choice is between life and death, and who would deliberately choose death? In Israel's case, the choice was between trusting God and enjoying, enjoying the bounties of the land, or turning to idols and experiencing the curses given in the covenant. It's either life and blessing or death and cursing. Is this a difficult decision to make? Of course, today the choice is between eternal life and eternal death. Salvation by grace of God or condemnation by the righteousness of God. The only sensible decision is to choose life. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Uh, that's John 3, 36. That's the New King James Version. Forgive me for reading that, but it's probably pretty good. It might even be word for word. Uh, Moses called all creation to witness God's, uh, Israel's great opportunity to accept the covenant and enjoy its blessing. God offered his people life, for God is our life. For in him we live and move and have our being. That's Acts 17, 28. We receive from him not only physical life in our first births, but also spiritual life through the second birth. This marks the end of Moses' farewell address, the review of the law, and the renewal of the covenant. He still has much more to say, and what he says is very important. Then Moses will die, and the Lord will bury him where nobody can find the body. Joshua will, take, will then take over and lead Israel to triumph in their promised land. Amen. All right, so that we got all the way through 30, so we did good. Good job. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do have your word. Father, we have it in our homes, several Bibles here at this church. Father, I pray that we would be an obedient people who we, that we, we would hunger and thirst for your word. We, we would hunger and thirst for a personal relationship with you. Father, you want us to call out to you, to pray to you. Father, I pray that each and every one of us would be willing to give you time, Father, to just show how grateful we are that you have made a way of life and blessing and that we would live a life that shows it. Live a life that others will be attracted to, that will want to know where we get our peace and joy, and that we will be ready to answer and to share the wonderful story of grace. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray, amen.